Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Hello and welcome to Gagan Pressing, the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Chris Williams. Chris, how have you been, or is it better not to ask? I'm actually, I've been okay. Some, I've had some car troubles. Anyone that follows me on Twitter will know I've got um, BMW constant car troubles. Um, so that's one side. But I've had a pretty good week, Bryce. I was uh, lucky enough to be accredited for the Champions League game at Anfield. So um, I've had a very good look um, of, of football this week. And all the games seem to be rolling into weeks. There's been a match on every day for what feels like a month. But you can't complain because it's the business end of the season. How are you? Oh, I'm very good. Thanks. I had the in-laws staying this weekend. We all know how exhausting that can be. But I must say, they're, they're, they're fairly good, to be honest. But um, yes, I'm enjoying all this football as well. It's, um, it's great for the spectators. But um, obviously, are you guys working hard um, with each uh, match. Uh, they do come a bit thick and fast, don't they? Um, but um, yeah, joining Chris and I, um, as always, is Manu Vett. Manu, have you been working equally as hard? Uh, I th- I think so. It's, it's been pretty busy. Um, had the the game today. Um, of course the the 1860 game. Um, we did a match report on that, and um, yeah, it's been a lot of a lot of football. Um, next week is going to be three games as well. I'm I'm heading to Salzburg to the to the Europa League match. So yeah, it's pretty busy, and then I'm off to to Greece to um, of course some of our listeners will know Thomas Farin's project in Greece uh, we the football grad is doing um, a visit to the uh, his project there um, working with refugees so I'm off to do see him and work with him down there for a week um, at least it's going to be nice in sunny Greece but yeah Bryce uh, the in-laws are they listening in or is that why you're so nice <laughs> um, I would be a little bit surprised if they're listening in to be honest they're not really football fans so you know me talking about mm. maybe likes a Lars Stindl or whatever over the weekend. I, I, I think they'd nod and smile, but that would probably be about the height of it. Um, uh, I, I, maybe I'm just covering my own back, eh? Um, <laughs> but, um, guys, uh, we've got a very special guest uh, on with us uh, this week, so it's not just the three of us. Um, but um, this man, you, you'll probably know if, if you're on the likes of uh, Twitter or even on um, ESPN, um, you'll recognize the name and, and know him rather well, and that's Mark Lovell. Um, Mark, um, thanks for coming on uh, to the podcast. Um, hey, would you just like to um, explain um, to any of our listeners who may not know who you are, shame on them if they don't, uh, but what, what exactly um, got you into uh, German football and, and what is it you do these days? Thanks, Bryce. Thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, I've been in Germany, man and boy, since the early 90s. I was in the Air Force, uh, the British Air Force, in the early 90s. Then I uh, retrained as a journalist and ended up in Munich somehow by life's rich tapestry uh, in 97. And um, yeah, in the, for the last few years, I've been the uh, ESPN Bayern Munich correspondent. Before then, um, I covered 1860 Munich for various English uh, uh, places. So, you know, very long interest in the Bundesliga dating back to the days of 
Kevin Keegan, shall we say, not willing to uh, give away my exact age, of course. But uh, I've always been interested in the Bundesliga. Um, not quite as much as Plymouth Argyle, but that's another story. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll, we'll probably leave out the Plymouth Argyle chat today, but um, uh, we'll get you on another time for that, I feel. But, uh, guys, let's um, let's jump into um, a rather special topic today, a topic that um, obviously Mark and uh, Manu will probably natter away at for some time on. <laughs> and, and that was, um, the well, Manu, you've put this several ways, haven't you? The Munich Derby? The small Munich derby, the mini Munich derby. I mean, well, what exactly am I talking about here, Manu? What are we calling this, Mark? Have we decided? Well, I have to just call it the Munich derby, and uh, you know, let's get on with it. You know, it's uh, <laughs> obviously if you're an 1860 fan, um, you know, it's it's difficult. They're in the fourth division now. They're they're used to be playing at a higher level. They're you know they. They managed amazingly to get not only get relegated to four down two divisions and now suffering the ignominy of playing Bayern reserves in the Regionalliga clash today at the Grunwalde Stadium. Not only that, this was in a home game for Bayern Munich reserves in 1860s old traditional stadium where they clinched the Bundesliga in 1966 so you know there's a lot of history at that stadium and uh, Bayern um, spoiled the title party for 1860 by winning 3-1 deservedly so um, you know Manu as an 1860 fan will probably you know be able to say better what it was like the game for from an 1860 perspective yeah I, I've it wasn't an easy game to watch, Mark. <laughs> um, you are you are quite right. Bayern were by by far the better team. Uh, the first half they absolutely dominated the proceedings, and um, you know they, it's hard to get possession stats, etc., for these games. But I, I reckon it was in the sixty percent for for Bayern, and um, they took that two zero lead into half time, and it could have been maybe even more. And it's it's really surprising because. 1860 went into this match um, nine points ahead of Bayern, Bayern 2, or the Bayern Amateure, um, as they're often called as well. Um, so nine points ahead with three games left, plus 16 goals. You know, So even with this defeat, um, it's still, still very likely that 1860 will finish first. They need just one point in the last two games. Um, but you know, th it, this was about prestige and um, also, of course, a test match for the one that they will have to play to get promoted to the Liga 3, which is, of course, something that we want to chat about a little bit as well. Um, because the, the teams that they were, the team that they will be facing, Saarbrücken, will be a much better team than the far vast majority of the teams that they faced this season in the Regionalliga Bayern. Um, so it's, I think, in many ways, this was a good test. and. The first 45 minutes, they were completely asleep. Uh, they missed the boat completely on that and pro pretty much, in my opinion, lost the game in the first 45 minutes. The second half was a bit better. They were scratching and biting. Um, Bayern still were the more cultured side. And, um, you know, I thought maybe when they scored a, made a 2-1, uh, that uh, distant shot from uh, Vine, that they maybe could get their claw their way back into this match and I mean a draw would have been the championship party right the vice bill would have come out etc but um, 
yeah, it's it's really too bad. I think um, the, they kind of messed up the curtain raiser in in some ways when it comes to the relegation playoff match. And uh, maybe you can talk a bit more about what the mood was like in the stadium. I mean, the majority of the fans um, were Bayern fans because Bayern only allocated 1,500 tickets to 1860. But um, from what I could see on the main stand, there were a lot of 1860 fans that got in regardless, right? Yeah, it was a pretty manic um, atmosphere, very edgy. Um, it was like going back to the the old days. Um, I've never seen so many police in a at a game in Munich. There were you know loads of uh, Dibby vans everywhere, and um, yeah, very edgy indeed. And uh, I spent you know an hour after the game around the stadium, and the police were very active, sirens going off. Everywhere, and I'll be interested to see how many arrests were made mm. um, in and around the Grunwalde. Um, Bayern fans were in the majority. There was an incident after the game where um, Timo Gepard, one of the 1860 better players, he took offence to Bayern unveiling one of their flags. I think it was a Derby Zieger, Derby winner flag, and he there was a lot of pushing and shoving and a lot of bad uh, blood mm. amongst the two sets of players. Uh, there was fighting in the tunnel, which I saw between um, various members of the, the backroom staff. Um, it, was, it was all going on, and, uh, yeah, it was quite interesting to be at, and that had nothing to do with the fans. The fans, um, yeah, there was, you know, smoke bombs going off, you know, the whole, the whole lot. Um, the referee didn't exactly make things uh, go any more smoothly. Very up and down performance for him. Mm. Um, I've forgotten how average a striker Sasha Mulders is. Um, I'm a little bit worried about uh, 1860 going into these two playoff games against Saarbrücken. Um, yeah, because it's so much pressure on 1860. They've you know dropped down two leagues. The expectations is they've been runaway league leaders for the whole season they've been tested twice by Bayern reserves and they've lost both those games how are they going to stand up to the pressure knowing that everyone expects them to to go up against Saarbrücken it's the you know the, the expectations are there big 1860 they belong at a higher league and uh, today I would you know that worry and that fear that the players might not react too positively to that pressure because it is an awful amount of pressure. Mm. And um, Saarbrücken probably go into those games not as favourites with less pressure and they can probably play a little bit more freely. So, you know, if you ask me today, you know, I'm just a little bit wary and a little bit worried for, uh, for 1860 going forward. Um, I hope they go up, you know. Mm. You know they they can rebuild in the third division. Um, yeah, it's a it's a tricky one. Uh, there's still a lot of issues at the club, and uh, yeah, going back to the game, Bayern deserved to win. They had a lot of quality on the pitch, and uh, yeah, Bayern deserved to win. They 1860 played better in the second half, but they had still you know more effort rather than mm. quality play. So. Um, they will need their better players like Timo Gephardt, who's coming back from a long injury, to step up for the playoffs. 
Yeah, I would totally go along with that. Maybe to add to the police story, Mark, the, the police, and this is a story that just broke just before we went on the podcast, uh, they stormed Giesinger Boy, where the 1860 fans were doing a public viewing, um, supposedly because there was someone um, that they were trying to find that got away and hung out at the Giesinger Boy. Of course, the Giesinger Boy is uh, one of the newer breweries that are in Giesing and very much in the heartland of, of 1860 territory. And uh, the story that broke said that um, the police used excessive force to to find someone and didn't even find the person. Um, so there is you speaking about arrests. Um, it seems that the police has uh, once again, and this happens a lot at the um, Munich police, that they use excessive force. So um, interesting that you mentioned this. Um, maybe to mention something about the opponent Saarbrücken, they won the game today easily. They are now on, they have now played 34 games and they have collected 78 points. Um, 1860 have played 34 and collected 77 points. The Regionalliga Südwest is a good league though, the the Southwest division. Um, there's some teams in there that are, have Bundesliga history, like Waldhof Mannheim, Saarbrücken of course, Offenbach, Elversberg, Ulm. Um, those are names that have FSV Frankfurt as well, of course, a team that played in the second Bundesliga just a few years ago. So this is a very good competition, a very good good league, and I, I think you're quite right. This is, um, you know, I'm not sure if we should be worried about it, um, them facing Saarbrücken. I don't know if 1860 will necessarily be the favorite, because I think they're coming from a weaker competition. But um, I look at the Saarbrücken side, and I see I see a lot of, difficulties and of course the, the the problem is 1860 won their league comprehensively but the champion doesn't get promoted right this is one maybe one of the biggest injustices of german football that the fourth division champions do not get straight promoted to the third division yeah right and you mentioned the league that Saarbrücken are in there um, i have relatives from the offenbach area and Offenbach won that league convincingly a couple of seasons ago, and they lost out in the playoffs to, I think, Magdeburg. Mm. And I remember massive crowd violence when they lost the second leg, you know, and there was a lot of upset and frustration. And, the, yeah, who knows what's in store for 1860. The, you know, you remember how they reacted to the defeat against uh, Regensburg last season. Um yeah. So, I, oh, there's a lot of pressure on uh, on 1860, um, well, as there was for Offenbach that day. Offenbach were a big yeah. club, former German Cup winners, and uh, there was an expectation for them to go up, and they didn't manage it, and the fans reacted badly. Manu, can I just ask? I mean, obviously, for listeners out there that may be more familiar with uh, with Bundesliga and uh, lesser so further down uh, the footballing tiers in Germany. Um, uh, just for them, how many um, regional ligas are there? And what happens when um, you go, you say you win the league, you go into the playoff, do you have another playoff to play then? Or mm. how many teams drop down from the, the third tier? So three teams get relegated from the third division. There's five regional leagues. So um, the the winners of the regional league north, regional league northeast, regional league west, and regional league Bavaria qualify for the relegation playoffs and the two first team placed teams from the Southwest Division. The Southwest is the is the area in Germany with the most teams, so they get two playoff spots uh, in their league. So six teams altogether. They get drawn 
um, to play playoffs. It's completely random. The draw is completely random. And um, yeah, so three of those six teams will ultimately go up. There is a there's a promotion reform that will um, start to take place next year. I think it's it's kicking in. Um, and I think what they're doing is that there's four teams going down from Liga 3. Three teams, and uh, this will be rotating, three uh, teams will go straight up from the five leagues and that, that those three promotion spots will rotate between the five leagues every year. So it's still not perfect. And then they, I think there's a playoff for the for the remaining uh, two, two leagues that do not get a straight promotion. Uh, it's not a fair system. You know, we used to have three regional leagues and the three winners of the three regional leagues would go straight up. Um, the problem is that Bavaria and um, Northeast, which is the former, of course, GDR League, um, they're very adamant that they want their own divisions, uh, which is, of course, a little strange, right? So there has to be a regional league Bayern uh, or Bavaria. Um, and the Bavarian Football Association is a very powerful football association in German football. So they are very adamant that they want to have their own football division, right? And the Northeast Division is, of course, the all the former party heads of German, German football party heads of the former NOFV, which was the North, the the, the um, East German Football Association, and they are very adamant that they want one that they want their own competition as well. So that's why we are in this mess because no one wants to give up their league, right? Um, because the obvious, the most obvious thing to do would be to just go to three regional leagues have the three winners go straight up problem solved right but there's a lot of politics involved in this um which is why we have um so many problems when it comes to promotion and relegation and why promotion and relegation from the fourth division to the uh, third division is such a bottleneck in german football and i mean if, if we talk a little bit about uh byron two um I, w- I would go to you uh maybe mark um on them uh before we go to the main Bayern side, of course. Um, I, I mean, Bayern too. Are they, are they full of you know players that come in and out of the first team, or are they youth players, or or what? What exactly is that team made up for? If anyone that that's unfamiliar, and is if it is youth players, is there anyone that we should be um, looking out for? Good question, Bryce. Um, well, the first goal scorer was a guy called Reed. They signed for five hundred thousand from Osnabrück a third division side so money has been even spent on their so-called reserve side um but it it's a a lot of uh, younger players predominantly younger players even reed was a was a youngster as well so you're looking at um a age range of uh, 18 to 21 felix Gutzer is a is a stalwart um, brother of um Mario, Super Mario, a lot of talented players. Timothy Tillman, American, uh, German, um, a lot of bright futures. You had the guy, Frank Evina, who made his first team debut yesterday. He came on for the last 20, 20 odd minutes. Um, a lot of talents. And I was just going to mention earlier, it's imperative for 1860 to go up this season because. I can bet you right now that eight, um, Bayern will win this league next year with uh, that type of side. It's, uh, you know, 1860 will not challenge next season this this Bayern side. Yeah, I would go oh. along with that. Absolutely. Wow. It's, it's imperative that they go up this year. 
Well, I mean, Manu, just to bounce things out, um, you know, maybe one final question. I mean, is is there anyone in that 1860 Munich side that you would um you would you'd like to draw um, maybe our listeners' attentions to that you you think deserves a special mention? Or is, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of younger players that were this 1860 side finished uh, second last year, right? Um, it was the 1862 reserve side that finished second last year, and then. Um, more or less got the job this year. There's there's a few interesting players in there, but I don't see anyone in that side that will have um, a massive Bundesliga career ahead of him. Um, a lot of the players that you know could have maybe had a future were sold in in the summer to generate needed cash. Um, it's a good team. It's a team that could probably be competitive in the third division as well. But it's not, um, you know, 1860s Youth Academy is not what it used to be. Oh dear. Well, it'll be interesting to see just um, what the outcome is for them. And yeah, for you, Manu, obviously we'll we'll keep the fingers crossed on the podcast, see if they do progress. Um, let's see if uh, Chris Williams is still on the line, will we? Um, uh, let's talk about Byron's first team. And the Champions League action that uh, occurred this week, Bayern were at home to Real Madrid in the semi-final of the Champions League. And while they dominated and played fairly well, they did lose 2-1. Real seemed to have a bit of a knack at doing this. Um, uh, Chris, uh, what was your opinion on the game um, on Wednesday night? And how do you feel Bayern will get on on this coming Tuesday? Do you think they can overturn the deficit? Well, first of all, it was a little flat as a game, wasn't it, if you compare it to the um, Champions League fixture we had the night before. But I think Bayern were unlucky. If you look at, let's just look at the stats, which, you know, it is never the true sense of a game. But if you want to look at, just purely look at stats, Bayern had 17 shots. Um, crucially, only five of them were on target. They had 60% of possessions. They outpassed Real Madrid by over 200 passes. But as we've said a lot of times, it doesn't matter how long you have the ball, it's what you do with it when it counts. And I... um. I'm disappointed for Bayern because I think they had clear opportunities to score. Um, Real had a, a pretty poor night. Cristiano Ronaldo had an off night, which you don't get very often. And if you do get one of them, you should really be punishing Real Madrid. And, and Bayern didn't do that. And then obviously, um, you know, they were gifted a goal by Rafinha, weren't they? It's a horrendous blind pass, um, a horrendous blind square pass in a Champions mm. League semi final. Um, and, and they were punished by that. And obviously they were punished by um, by the young lad who came off the bench. So it must be really disappointing for Bayern because they've got it all to do now in uh, Bernabeu. And well, we saw how hard Juventus had it, even when it looked like you know they just maybe have done it. Obviously, um, Real got a last-minute penalty, which, uh, which was a penalty in my eyes. I'm not going to argue with that, but... I think it just goes to show that if you want to get the better of Real Madrid, you need to to maybe win your home game. I know it was a similar sort of story last season, and then obviously Bayern went over to Madrid and played very, very well, took the game to extra time. And you know, again, it was a very controversial way. They were knocked out. They were knocked out by a couple of offside goals. Um, obviously, the yellow card, um, sorry, the red card for Vidal, which I think was harsh, um, considering that Real should have had Camazero sent off as well. Um, so I think they've got it all to do, but they have got the experience, Bryce, of playing at this level, um, and they've got some very experienced players. My only worry is obviously they lost um, Robin and uh, Boateng early on, um, which 
I think it was a shame for them again because their um, whole dynamic was changed early on after eight moments. So uh, this one was, if it was going to go wrong for you, it went wrong for them. And I really think they face an uphill battle. Can they do it? Well, of course they can because it's 90 minutes of football and you know you can never say um, it's over. But it's looking really hard for them to do that now. I think they'll be bitterly disappointed at that because they've walked the league. Um, they should really walk the Pokal, especially if you go by the result um, against Eintracht in the league. Um, so this was the one they wanted and it looks very, very difficult now to me. I would be surprised if they're in Kiev at the end of May. Hi, this is Rachel Fisher. And this is Desi Jenikin. And we host the Hollywood Crime Scene Podcast. We're really excited to tell you about the best Christmas ever on AMC+, where every day feels like Christmas morning. It's the holiday season, and that means it's time to see old friends like Buddy the Elf, Heat Miser, and Clark Griswold. Plus, you get a stocking stuffed with highly acclaimed AMC series like The Walking Dead and Mad Men, new series like Gangs of London and The Walking Dead World Beyond. They're all here on AMC+. So celebrate the best Christmas ever, anytime, anywhere. AMC Plus is the gift that keeps on giving all year long. Sign up today at amcplus.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. Yeah, it's certainly an uphill challenge. But, uh, Mark, we're going to go to you and just get your opinions on it. I mean, um, as Chris has just said, it's it's um, quite a challenge they've got on their hands um, come Tuesday night. But um, uh, Matt Hummels, he, he believes that they can beat Real and progress. Are you as positive? Well, he has to say that. You know, he's not going to say, oh, we have no chance. They've won it two years on the trot. We've got no chance. We might as well not bother flying to Madrid and uh, prepare for the German Cup final. No, it, you know, they're German champions. Uh, it, they won it last year, 2-1 in 90 minutes. They go there again. They have a massive squad. They can compensate for certain injuries. My main concern is um, Jerome Boateng missing. He... When Bayern have played with, with Boateng on the pitch, they haven't lost this season. 29 games. Um, he didn't play in the defeats to PSG, Leipzig, Hoffenheim and Mönchengladbach. And when he left the pitch, Bayern were leading 1-0. And that says it says it all for me, how much, how important he is to Jopanke's side. Um, Hummels and Sula will play at the back and they're just not just won't do it for me. Alaba will come back from injury. He will play at left back instead of Rafinha, Kimmich right back. That's a decent enough back line. Sven Ulreich, um, Lewandowski. We can talk about him all day. He's uh, you know a lot of criticism for him from the from the first leg. How he didn't turn up for a big game again. You'd have to fancy 
uh, one of Lewandowski and Ronaldo to score this time around, having uh, both of them missed out in Munich. Um, I'm not totally writing off Bayern at this stage. They've got it all to do. Real just seemed to find a way. You know, didn't play very well in Munich, but you always had the feeling that they would score. And, uh, you know, taking that lead, you know, with a decent goal by Kimmich, but a poor goalkeeping error by Navas, you know, they Bayern needed to follow up with the 2-0, and Ribéry had the chance to bury one um, and make it 2-0, but he took a really clumsy touch, and that was a real game-changing point for me in, in the game. Much like uh, Vidal's penalty miss last season, Bayern had the chance to go 2-0 up before half-time, but Vidal missed a penalty in Munich. So these are small margins, and uh, yeah, Bayern will need to play much better and take their chances um, they weren't at all efficient or clinical in Munich on Wednesday. And uh, you know, they played uh, a C team, shall we? not even a B team. And they, they beat Eintracht Frankfurt 4-1, but they were so clinical and so efficient. Uh, they need some of that in the Bernabeu on, on Tuesday to turn this tie around. I mean, you just mentioned, uh, Mark, that um, Bayern did play somewhat of a C team. Uh, it, it, you know, they brought in a, a few unfamiliar faces. Do do you see any of those uh, unfamiliar faces uh, appearing midweek, or do you think it's too much of a risk? No, I can't see any of any of those. Um, they might, you know, might get on the plane to Madrid and form part of the. Uh, you know, match day experience, but Bayern have a have a squad full of internationals to to cover for uh, most of eventualities. So the likes of uh, Nicholas Dorsch, who scored on debut on on Saturday, Frank Evina, I don't think he's going to be asked to play three games in four days, and you know so, and Lucas Mai, maybe he will he'll make the squad. He's a uh, 18-year-old centre-back with uh, Boateng out for the rest of the season, so he might have a chance, but he, he will he will not he will not start the game. Um, yeah, they've you know they've got a squad full of internationals, so they can cover for most eventualities. So, but Robin has been just ruled out. You know that news is broken, so he's not going to be uh, on the plane to Madrid. He might have played his last Champions League game for Bayern. Who knows? He's He's into the final few weeks of his contract. Yeah, actually, Bryce, uh, I think, um, and Mark, you touched on the level, um, on the, the Robin, Robin missing this game. And um, I agree, Boateng is, is a massive loss for Bayern. But um, I felt that when without Robin, Bayern were too, left, too centric on the left, uh, on the left side, too centric on Frank Ribery. That, that element... Um, they, they are not able to stretch Real because everything went to the left. And the other factor that I found really interesting is Müller then moved to the right, where Robin usually plays. Um, but he still, Müller has the tendency to always go into the center of the pitch. Same with Thiago, who came on for Robin, right? And I thought it was really interesting that Kimmich then obviously had more space and went further up. And when you when you watch back that goal that Real conceded, yes, Rafinha bad back pass, but then at the same time Kimmich wasn't far enough back, right, to cover. 
And that's, that was a result of him having to push up a little bit too much. So I thought without Robin, they, they were very easy. It was very easy for Real Madrid to figure out how to stop Bayern. Um, they just basically put Vasquez back and had two men on Ribery and that was the end of it. I, I just curious how you see all of this. I think we might see Corentin Tolisso, the record signing. I think he, he scored twice against PSG in the home leg. Uh, he's, and he's also very good in the air. Uh, he could be an option for the, for the right-hand side. Of, you know, to, he, he's got an eye for goal, and Bayern will need to score twice. Um, it's just a question of uh, how fit he is. He's been struggling for injury uh, for, a, for a few weeks now, and... Uh, so, but it's last chance alone, you know. Bayern. Mm. I remember last season, Boateng and Hummels weren't hundred percent fit uh, for the return in the Bernabeu, but they they got wheeled out and they did a sterling job. Uh, so you know, this is one last push for the uh, Bavarians. Yeah, exciting time indeed. But Chris, uh, going to go back to you on this one. We we've seen uh, we. Seen the C team as um, as Mark put it, um, go out the weekend and beat Eintracht Frankfurt 4-1. Eintracht had had uh, a fantastic season up until the last few weeks, and since um, well, new Bayern coach Nico Kovac um, announced that he was going to Bayern, uh, things haven't quite been the same as Manu put it um, the other day. It seems like the air has been let out of the Eintracht. A balloon. Um, what do you think the problem is there? Do you do you think it's uh, the players, or or do you think he's slightly taken his his uh, attention off it and focusing on Bayern? Do you know what? I don't think um, I don't think he disrespectful might be the wrong word, but I don't think he's that type of guy. I think he's very focused on on Frankfurt, and I just don't see him turning up to this final and and not putting his all in. No. <laughs> As I said before, I can't see anything else but a Bayern Munich win because they are so strong because of the fact they can put out one of three sides. Um, so that's going to be difficult for Eintracht. I was just disappointed with them, really. I mean, if you look at the back line um, of what Bayern had out, you would maybe think that um, Jovic especially could pinch a goal there, maybe even Fabian playing it in, but it wasn't. I mean, even Wolves played fantastically well. Maybe it was just an off day for them and have they ran out of steam a little bit towards the end of the season, possibly. But I think we should judge them on on where they were last season. Remember how critical we were around about Christmas when the wheels came off. Um, and this time they've got till, well, they've got, can we call it May? It's basically the back end of April. Uh, they've got themselves into a position where they could still qualify um, for the Europa League next season, which would be immense for them be a fantastic stepping stone and fantastic building block for them um it's just disappointing i suppose if you're an eintracht frankfurt fan and i know we do have many listening who are eintracht frankfurt fans i just think it's a very bad day at the office for them and and they were they were battered but you've got guys who are playing now for buying who are getting you know the odd opportunity here and there so um you'd have to look at the at the weekend's game and say that sebastian rudy was the key element in that midfield. He stepped up to that. He's probably been waiting for that time for him to do that. Obviously, Tolisso came in, like uh, Mark had said. Sandro Wagner, we all know how good he is. Obviously, he showed how good he was with his goal. Um, but I just think maybe Eintracht could have tested that back line a little bit more than they did, um, which is slightly disappointing. 
Um, but I don't think it's anything to do with Nico Kovac. I don't think he's the type of guy who would um, lay down his professionalism to just be concentrating now on next season. Obviously, it's only naturally he'll have an eye on next season. Um, but I think he'd like to sign off in the best possible way, which is to get Frankfurt as high up the table as they can. Maybe you know get them directly into Europa League place through league qualifications. Nine times out of ten, um, or I think this season they're going to qualify anyway if they can finish either sixth or seventh purely because I can't see anyone else apart from Bayern um, winning the Pokal Bryce. Well, Chris, the, the question I have though is, you know, he's such an emotional leader. We've we've liked him so many times to Diego Simeone, right? And yeah. it's it's so much about dressing room integrity in a way the way he's operates the way the players he selects he's 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 forged this bond between him and the players and um for the most part of the season they walked through bath of steel together right everything could yeah. come at them and it was just all every them against the world and then uh, then he announces that he's going to leave for bayern i just wonder if that breaks that bond a little bit because you're on this emotional high all season long. You have this coach who is an excellent coach, I think, right? And he's really good at forging these bonds. And then he says, "Well, I'm. This was this was fun, lads, but I'm off to Bayern." I I can just yeah, see, I, that, I, see that hurting. I don't know if that came from him though, did it? So that was yeah. that was leaked. Um, I'm going to say it was via Bayern because it came by a very respected Bayern correspondent. So um, you would expect that that's where the information came from, and. In the press conference that he did as soon as that was given, obviously with Frankfurt, he happily said it didn't come from him. I think he would have preferred it not to, but as we chatted at great length, I think Bayern players needed to know who was coming in next season so they could start nailing down contracts and maybe who they need to be looking at and so people know who the club's associated with. So maybe he's lost a little bit of it, but I would say that didn't come from him. And if Mm. any... If any, I don't know if that dressing room ethos has been lost between him and the players, I think that's an unfortunate um, casualty of the news that was released. I'm I'm pretty sure he would have liked to have released that news after the final, maybe the Sunday after the final, um, or maybe the week after, like we saw um, Thomas Tuchel's announcement a couple of days after the Pokal last season. So I don't know. I don't know if he has done that. And you could certainly see that players maybe take their foot off the boil if they know the manager's going. But I think players want to play for personal pride as well. I don't think they'll get any satisfaction mm. by being, you know, dry humped by buying Seaside when they've got mm. to face them in the Pokal final in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah, I think that's uh, six away games on the trot for Frankfurt that they've, that they've lost um, even before Kovac's uh, announcement. So they've been struggling for a bit. Um, but these are small margins again. Bayern were indebted to Sven Ulreich for a brilliant save on the uh, on rushing Luka Jovic. He was clean through. He should have scored. Mm. Eintracht had the best chances in the first half. The game was going nowhere. I thought it was going nil-nil. And then Bayern, Ulrich just made the save. Bayern go up the other end. And Wagner lays on a goal for Nicholas Dorsch on debut so those are the small margins we were talking about even at a Bundesliga level you have to take your chances and we saw that Frankfurt in the cup you know they grabbed a goal from a set piece against Schalke go 1-0 up against the odds and they defend for their lives and they hold on to the victory and they're going to play in uh, Berlin against Bayern 
next month. And that, you know, I, I'm convinced if that goal had gone in from uh, Jovic just before half time, that would have given Frankfurt an added boost and something really to hold on onto going, you know, and take it, take the game away from uh, Bayern was struggling with that side. Hmm. Um, they wouldn't have won that game 4-1 if they'd have taken that chance. Yeah, but Mark, Freddy Bobic, the sporting Android sporting director, was absolutely furious post-game. I mean, he was at 180 degrees. He was, um, you know, he was saying all sorts of things that it's an embarrassment, an embarrassing result, um, that they should have really taken the chances and won this game, that he feels that players are not taking this as serious anymore. So, I mean, this is even coming from, from Eindracht Frankfurt themselves. So uh, certainly, I think, I think there seems to be a little bit amiss at the moment. Absolutely. There's even talk that, um, rumors talk mm. that uh, they would remove Kovac from his position prematurely. Yeah. So things are obviously not right. And there's a little bit of uh, unrest in the camp. But uh, I think that once this league cam campaign is out of the way, they will, you know, one last push, Berlin, and uh, concentrate on, on the cup final. Uh, Mark. Um, Can I just ask, um, just to, to finish off, I suppose, uh, on Munich before we cover the rest of the league, do, you, do the guys have spoke about Nico Kovac uh, and so have I, I suppose, all, all season, but uh, you've um, covered uh, Bayern Munich for, for some time now. Do you feel Nico Kovac is going to be up to the job? Do you think he's going to be a success uh, for the Bavarians? Depends what you call a success. I remember Felix Magath winning the double in successive seasons. You know, and uh, you'd have to go travel a long way for, you know, people to speak very positively of Felix Magath, maybe in China. Um, so <laughs> I expect Kovac to win the Bundesliga with Bayern and uh, narrack up a few more titles that way. But he's going to be judged on the Champions League like everyone else, you know, and I don't. Yeah, if you ask me now, you know, I don't see where his defensive tactics, um, how he can really bring Bayern on too much in the Champions League. But that's, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about other progressive type coaches. Um, one young man at Hoffenheim later in the podcast. <laughs> well, let's move straight on to him right now in Julian Nagelsmann and Hoffenheim. Hoffenheim have now moved up to fourth place. That's right, they've moved into the Champions League spots by not having been defeated in, yes, nine games. That's quite impressive, Manu, isn't it? Things are looking rather good for Hoffenheim after a spell before this that was rather up and down. Yeah, he's done, I mean, we said this last week already, I think he's He's learned, he's learned, he's growing up as a coach very quickly. He's been a lot of criticism in the Hinrunde. And in the Rückrunde has been doing a fantastic job. And, you know, they might be, and we had them not on the radar at all for a Champions League spot, did we? I mean, Chris, we spoke a few weeks ago on that we were pretty sure it'd be Leipzig, Leverkusen, um, Dortmund, um, and Schalke. You know, those are the teams that would be challenging. No one spoke of Hoffenheim, and now Hoffenheim look like the, the team that will be in that fourth place, and this time straight to the Champions League uh, group stage. Remarkable, absolutely remarkable. Yeah, and I don't think anyone would have expected the run they've gone on since they were um, beaten by Schalke. They, you know, they've been an incredible 
um, force slipped the odd occasion. Um, but I mean, remember way back, they absolutely battered um, FC Kern, didn't they? Mm. And like destroyed them. And then I think we were expecting a, a closer game than Leipzig. And I think we go by today's result for them. Um, their wheels have well and truly fallen off. Uh, and Hoffenheim have stepped up to the plate just when it was required. Like this, the running, if you want to go on a great run, then start it round about the back end of um, January, start of February and get yourself on a momentum. And that's what um, Hoffenheim have done. I mean, they are unbeaten since um, since mid-February in the league. Which remarkable. <laughs> is remarkable. They've put three back-to-back um, wins away. Uh, you know, they've picked up the odd draw here and there. Um, but they've picked up points against their rivals in the area where they're fighting for. So, you know, they picked up a draw against um, Gladbach and also against Frankfurt, uh, maybe a slight poor one with Freiburg. But outside of that, you know, they've been absolutely fantastic uh, when it comes to to these games. And for a team that was maybe looking like they wouldn't get Champions League football, it might have been quite easy for them to switch off. But they've gone and played teams who are fighting for their lives. So they played Freiburg, they played Wolfsburg, they played um, they played Cologne, and they've played Hamburg, and they've come out of those with um, with victories by the Freiburg one, and that's a sign of concentration because you're playing teams who you know ultimately down in the uh, brown sticky stuff. So it's it's hard for them to keep that concentration, and if they can get that last. Champions League automatic group stage qualification place. They will have earned it through real hard work, and I can't see them. Um, I can't see them stopping this run against Stuttgart, and then you know we've got a, a last day fight off with with Dortmund um, you know, to see how high they can get in the league. So it's going to be fascinating. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you're quite right, Manu. Um, Nagelsmann has learned. He was quite. Um, <laughs> Arrogant, maybe the wrong word, but maybe a little stubborn. But he seems to, after the winter break, he's really taken on what needed to be done there and turned it around. And, and, and yeah, he's done it quite quietly. Although they've put some fantastic results away, he's just gone about his business and, and they've been playing some fantastic football once again. Yeah, maybe uh, a small little negative. They lost Serge Knabri for the rest of the season. Um, that's, of course, that's a huge damper. Curious, Mark, what do you think? That's that's going to hurt them big time, isn't it, in the run in the last two games? Absolutely. He's been a, a key man. Um, but they have other talented players to compensate for that and uh, playing with a lot of freedom and uh, players seem to be really happy that Nagelsmann's staying around. You know, it's interesting, the timing of all this. Frankfurt were flying you know, earlier in the season, and then suddenly there were the rumours of Kovac and Bayern, and then it suddenly happened. But Nagelsmann was strongly linked with Bayern, but they had a terrible start to the season, as you mentioned, and they've he failed his Champions League audition against Liverpool, and, you know, his stock fell a lot, Nagelsmann, and he, he's quietly got about it, about his business, and he's uh, he seems to be thriving there, and uh, you know, he's set for bigger places than Hoffenheim. It's just a question of when he when he ends up at Bayern. But has he got one job in between there? Or Dortmund? You know, Dortmund still really want him too, Mark. Um, I think you know they are almost ready to maybe move on, stay, keep uh, Stöger for one more season to just to 
to have him the year after. It's going to be an interesting battle for him, I think, in 2019. Well, he, he won't be short of options, no. that's for sure. Um, yeah. A lot of interested parties. Yes, indeed. It'll be interesting to see just where his next stepping stone is, but doing a fantastic job at Hoffenheim. And let's see if they do make it to the Champions League. Um, Chris, um, another side um, battling for Champions League spot, and it, it looks rather likely is Borussia Dortmund, but they, they would have increased those odds um, and possibly put themselves in a position that it was all but certain uh, with a victory today. But they, they fell short, didn't they, with a draw against uh, Werner Bremen. Yeah, unfortunately, they've um, <laughs> it's sort of been a key to their season, hasn't it? You know, bad result, good result, indifferent result, repeat. So, yeah, I mean, you would have expected them to take all uh, three points here, really, especially taking the lead the way they did. Um, yet yeah, it's another one um, for Dortmund, unfortunately, where just when you think maybe it's getting a little better for them. Um, it doesn't. I think we were talking after last week, maybe um, they could put their foot down and uh, and lay the gauntlet back to Schalke and say, actually, we're the best side in the region. But, you know, now Schalke have got that little gap in front of them. We've got two games to play. Um, how's it going to happen? How's it going to finish? If they, they have any more stumbles, the way Hoffenheim are playing, that very last match um, could almost be a shootout for third place. They hit the woodworks three times today, Chris. Dortmund did. Um, whew, I think they should have maybe won this game, but that, that, that fits very well into the story, doesn't it? That they they don't, they're just not as effective as they should be. Um, the football has improved the last two match days, but um, yeah, the consistency is maybe the next step. I just can't see Peter Stürger sticking around for another season. If if he does, I feel sorry, you know. Mm-hmm. This is feel sorry for the Dortmund fans, and I'm I'm looking at it from the perspective of Marco Royce mm-hmm. extended his contract. I don't think he would extend extend his contract if he knows that Peter Stuger is hanging around for another season. I just don't think no, that's I, yeah. I, I agree don't think with that's that. an option. I agree with that completely. I don't. I think he got them out of a situation perchance when it all went wrong with Peter Bosch, and I just can't see. Them, them staying with him. It's not the football that the fans are used to. It's not the football the directors are used to. It's a massive drop in tempo and style and attractiveness from um, from Tuchel last season and from Klopp before that at his time. And they need someone who gets the fans and who can bring back that exciting sort of football and you know can take Dortmund back to um, where they want to be, which is the latter stages of the Champions League and either winning a cup or fighting for the league, and they're nowhere near any of that this season. Uh, I, I just want to quote Hitzfeld from two weeks ago. Favre is the perfect man for the Dortmund job, and then I want to quote Hitzfeld from this week. Tuga is the perfect man for the Dortmund job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what type of game is he playing there? So you, do you think he's trying to get Favre and it failed? It's, not a, it's just, uh, just, just quoting. <laughs> Just quotes. That's all it is. Just quotes. But um, yeah, it's going to be a tricky one for Borussia Dortmund as next week they will be taking on a Mainz side that managed a 3-0 victory against RB Leipzig. Rather unexpected 
this week. But that, that I suppose, is the perfect bridge for us to talk about the relegation battle and what's happening at that end of the table. And uh, Manu, it, Hamburg, what, what, what can we say? You know, they're, they're doing their best, aren't they, to, to make... Um, well, to to make it another year in the Bundesliga as they were away from home against Wolfsburg. We know how much Chris uh, likes Wolfsburg, but we'll not get into the, the food in the uh, media area once again. But um, we've seen Hamburg beat them 3-1, and um, things are getting rather close down there, aren't they? The battle of the curve was the song, Chris. Um I, I, I <laughs> don't go there. Don't go there. <laughs> We've been chatting about it on uh, Twitter a little bit back and forth. It's it's both doable for us. It, it won't matter that much. It's not that far from Berlin to Hamburg or Wolfsburg. Um, I, I am pretty sure now that I'm gonna win that beer bet with my dad and that Hamburg I'm gonna stay in. Um, it's just I got that feeling. Um, I I have no idea how they once again um survive surviving this um but uh, yeah it just seems like that 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 clock doesn't want to stop ticking and i i think at this stage um at this stage this is just a remarkable story that is unfolding in front of our eyes because i mean four or five weeks ago we were 100 percent certain that they would go down but i i, I mean they just they're a little bit like cockroaches they just don't want to die <laughs> Wow, that, that, <laughs> that, I, I I don't know what to say anymore. Um, if we move to Mark, I mean, do, do you think that um, Hamburg might pull themselves out of this uh, predicament? Uh, I mean, they they have quite the experience of uh, just about surviving. I'm hopeful. I'm a I'm I know I'm in a minority, but I I have a soft spot for Hamburg from the my you know days of. Uh, Kevin Keegan back in back in the late seventies, so you know I'm really hopeful. But uh, just when everything, all hope had gone, Tits has turned it around, and uh, they're just two points behind Wolfsburg now, and two games to go. They're playing Frankfurt next week in Frankfurt, so yeah, I don't really fancy them to to win that game. It may be a draw. Yeah, you know, but they have to have to win these games. And last day of the season, Munching Gladbach, who have lost Lars Stindl, who's now out of the World Cup, I believe. Mm-hmm. So a weakened Gladbach side. Um, I'm hopeful, but um, it worries me a little bit. You know, this psychology now. Everyone thinks that Hamburg are going to stay up. So, oh, I'm not sure. Yeah, but if anyone can do it, if any any team in that league has the experience, Mark, it's them. I mean, they've been doing it for almost a decade now. <laughs> yeah, and Wolfsburg look a you know a sorry lot of yeah. uh, overpaid uh, prima donnas, and uh, um, it wouldn't uh, upset me too much if they fell through the trapdoor. No, yeah, that makes two of us. Yeah, but not three of you. Hey, look, I told you, I've been there three times and I've failed to make the Volkswagen Museum three times, so I would like to go back one more time and go and visit the Autostadt. That's all I want to do. I, I'm pretty it's sure the... the ICE stops from on the way from, from Berlin to Hamburg. Chris, we can just stop, okay, walk we'll through it, and then get on to Hamburg for the relegation playoff. What are you That'll guys be... like? 
Good Lord. Right, guys, I, I feel at, at this moment we, we need to talk then about uh, Bundesliga 2 uh, and uh, Fortuna Dusseldorf, who will be making their way up to uh, Bundesliga. Um, and uh, Mark, um, how do you feel about this? Um, will you be happy to see uh, Fortuna come back up uh, to the top flight? Absolutely. Well done to Friedhelm Funkel, one of the great names in German football, uh, really. <laughs> you know, he's been. He must have had about 15 clubs. Uh, but I remember him at 1860 Munich, uh, trying to do his best there to get them out of the second division and failing. Um, yeah, great, a great story. A big club in the area and uh, deserved promotion. They've been up there all season, and they got the job that's done in uh, Dresden this weekend. Um, their old, you know, Friedhelm Funkel's old assistant is Peter Hermann, who. You know, Bayern signed Funkel's assistant for two and a half million um, euros in October as, you know, on the wish of bankers. He says, I'm not doing the job at Bayern unless Herman comes with me. So, um, you know, it's uh, he's obviously, he played a role in Dusseldorf's promotion at the start of the season. And he's 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 been Hanker's uh, right-hand man all season at, at Bayern. So, but I'm more interested in Nuremberg. I'm a big, uh, I have another soft spot for Nuremberg. Mm-hmm. I want to see them go up as well. Another big club, uh, the Franconians, and hopefully they can seal promotion tomorrow uh, on Monday evening. I think they're playing Braunschweig, Brunswick. Mm-hmm. So that'll be a, an interesting game. Yeah, that again yeah, that... makes two of us. I, I really want to see Nuremberg go up too. Well, that game is actually being shown in the UK as well. If if you um, are listening from there, um, they're going to show it on BT Sports. So yeah, try and tune into that one. It's going to be a, a rather fantastic uh, occasion, I feel. But uh, Chris, it's, it's going to be great to have um, two uh, rather large uh, former giants, um, I suppose, um, in German football back in the top flight. Yeah, it is. My only concern then is that the relegation playoff becomes almost a formality because Holstein Kiel, whilst they're a, a nice side, I don't know if they've got what it takes maybe to beat whoever finishes in 16th unless, you know, Wolfsburg continue on a downward spiral. But even they managed to raise their game last season just about um, in the relegation playoff to escape it. I think maybe the main league side who finishes in 16th would be a little more challenged um, by Nuremberg than they would do by Kiel. So that would be my only um, offer of advice for to keep it fresh for that last, you know, two-legged game. Um, what if, it, if it's a strong team? But no doubt if both of those teams get automatic promotion, um, it's, a fantastic, um, it's a fantastic return to the league for them. And it will make the league stronger, um, if not, by quality, certainly by history. You know, Chris, that's an interesting story. So if Hamburg and Holstein Kiel play each other, first of all, it's a North Derby, right? Um, but there's also, of course, the fact that uh, Kiel won't be able to play in their stadium next year because it doesn't meet Bundesliga standards. Yeah, I've read that. And so they're going to have to um, borrow, a, borrow a stadium, aren't they? Yeah, so they're going to play in uh, the Volkspark Stadion in Hamburg. <laughs> <laughs> so Hamburg might go wow. down, but the stadium is going to stay. That stadium. <laughs> they, they, they can just keep the clock on. <laughs> no, no, yes. I saw that. That Start was that clock. this week. Fantastic. Someone said, does that mean the clock still keeps running? And I think that was an underappreciated tweet this week. 
<laughs> well, Mark, um, just as speaking um, about the uh, playoff situation, um, I've, I've spoke to Chris and Manu uh, on several occasions saying, um, well, it, it looked for quite some time that it would be Holson Kiel finishing in that position. Um, do you think there's any chance of them beating whoever finishes 16th and going up? The guys give it a um, slim chance, will we say? Oh, good question. Uh, I think um, Kiel have been for a really dodgy run, but they seem to be um, regrouping. I think they won 5-1 today, didn't they? I was at the 18-16 Bayern game, but didn't they win 5-1 away from home in Ingolstadt, who are not a bad side? Yeah, they did. So, yeah. you know, things are... You know, they're losing their coach, who's going to Cologne, Marcus Anfang. Uh, he's a, he's a one to watch next season in charge of uh, relegated Cologne. So... He will want to leave with promotion. So I'm not writing off their prospects at all. There's, there are a lot of very average sides towards the foot of the Bundesliga. And uh, Kiel are used to winning games this season. and used to scoring a lot of goals. So, yeah, maybe 60-40 in the, in the Bundesliga side's favour. But um, it's tremendous atmosphere in Kiel's stadium. Very compact, old-school stadium. And... Two interesting games in prospect. And Manu, isn't it true that um, Holston Kiel, or maybe in that region, have never had a side in the Bundesliga? No, Is no, that correct? no. Yeah, it's the, I think it's the only region in Germany that never had a Bundesliga side. Because even Mecklenburg Vorpommern um, had a side with Hansa Rostock. So they're the only region, I think, in Germany. Brandenburg. Um, of course, I forgot Brandenburg. They, no, they they had a side and uh, Energie Cottbus. Yeah, they are the only they are the only land in Germany that never had a Bundesliga side. Wow. Kiel Kiel lost to eighteen sixty. Eighteen sixty managed to score with virtually the last kick of the game. Was it two years ago, Manu? Yeah, it was in the two Allianz years ago. Arena. Uh, and uh, yeah. so they have a history. They have a bit of experience in the playoffs, and uh, well. We shall see. I wish them well. Yeah, let's see what happens. Eh? There's still plenty more to uh, play for in the Bundesliga and, and beyond, I suppose. So, um, yeah, keep tuning in. But that more or less does it for this week. Uh, we greatly appreciate, uh, Mark, you taking the time out uh, to come onto the podcast and speak to us. Is, is there anything that you would like to plug or, or promote um, or would you like to let us know what you're getting up to in the, in the coming weeks? What am I getting up to in the coming weeks? Well, I'm not going to Madrid. Um, I'm going to watch that game on my television and uh, then gear up to the German Cup final in, uh, what is it, May the 19th. 19th. So I look forward to that and hopefully after that have a long, nice quiet summer, watching plenty of cricket and enjoying myself. Oh, sounds lovely. Um, mm. What's your, um, what is your Twitter um, handle or uh, where can people find you online? My Twitter handle, if you're that way inclined, I don't encourage you to follow me. It's pretty dull. Unless you like hearing little bits about Plymouth Argyle and cricket and all these lovely pastimes. Uh, so don't bother unless you really want to. But it is level lowdown um and you can read certain highly charged articles on espn as the bayern munich correspondent 
Lovely stuff. Yeah, guys, make sure to check them out, especially if you're a Plymouth Argyle fan. But, uh, Chris, um, let's go to you next. What have you got going on this week? Um, well, a little like Mark, I'll be watching the Champions League um, second leg on my television. I have decided not to travel to Rome. Do not fancy being stabbed in the arse with a knife on my walk up to the stadium. Um, so I've chosen to stay at home. Um, and then I will be planning um, a trip out to Berlin, which is happening the week after. So we are hoping to catch the last game, uh, match day 34, which is Hertha Berlin against Leipzig. And then um, obviously the Pokal final the week after as well as the relegation playoff and the Europa League final. So it's going to be a busy couple of weeks. And, and what is your Twitter handle? Oh, well, with, with what it normally is, Bryce, it's Chris78Williams, but most of my stuff will go out via at Football Grad Life. Yeah, good stuff. Well, you never know. Mark's um, fans could be uh, tuning into this for the first time, Chris. But, um, <laughs> yes, stay safe. Uh, Manu, what have you got going on this week? Yeah, I'm not going to Madrid or Rome either. Um, I'm going to Salzburg for their Europa League return match. It's just down the road, so I'm jumping on a car and driving there. And then the next morning I'm flying to Greece to um, support Thomas's project, Thomas Vereen's project. He was, of course, on the Football Grad podcast um, a few weeks ago. Uh, he's, he works with refugees, Syrian refugees um, in a football project there. So we're going to have that covered um, on footballgrad.com. Yeah, so... That's that's it pretty much. Um, then getting ready, of course, Chris and I are going to hang out in Berlin and doing tons of coverage uh, from there. Um, so stay tuned for that. That will be all um, on at Football Grad Live. And you can follow me at Manuel Vest. Fantastic. Yeah, great job Thomas is doing there, by the way. Um, but yeah, thanks guys for tuning in as always. If you like what you've heard, please head over to the likes of iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from and just give us um, some positive feedback. We'd certainly appreciate that. And yes, feel free to get in touch with the podcast ever at Football Grad Live or with any of um, um, us three that are regularly on here, I suppose. Thanks to uh, Mark and to all of you for listening. Um, enjoy the Champions League games midweek and then on to more Bundesliga next week. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt als wär's ein Rhythmus als gäb's ein Lied weiter durch die Straßen zieht, komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Imagine if you could shop the shelves of all your local liquor stores at the same time. Well, spoiler alert, you can with Drizzly, the number one alcohol delivery app. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly is giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code SAVE5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.